Let's get going. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Let's talk about whether the Fed uh, is going to crash the market this week or not. We, I have definitely been wrong um, in our debate with Fabio that we did um, exactly um, two weeks ago. Um, we did that in person. And yeah, we debated oh, actually three weeks ago. Man, time flies. Um, we did that in person, and um, yes, yes, yes. I took a bit of more the cautious side. I didn't think we're gonna we were gonna go so aggressively higher. Fabio was the one who had all the reasons and arguments on why we did. So far in those three weeks, he has definitely been the one on the right side, and me being cautious, um, at least on the opinion, um, definitely not been on the right side. Again, uh, the key thing I mentioned is also, I mean. Uh, Every $1,000 Bitcoin goes higher. We make way more revenue in the company. My personal portfolio goes up. So don't get me wrong. Um, I am super happy on where the price is. It's just that I didn't really believe that three weeks ago. And so going forward, we have a super, super, super crucial week ahead. Um, absolutely crucial. We have the Fed meeting, obviously, on Wednesday. We have actually the ECB, Bank of England, Thursday. We have major earnings this week. Uh, the three A companies, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, also Meta. So absolutely crucial week. We're going to actually see a lot of the tendencies. And we're going to discuss this today. And yeah, then let's see. Um, I've prepared a couple of slides with some news things uh, around USDC. Um, obviously, a lot of users hold USDC, so um, kind of covered that a bit. And uh, Grayscale. Um, but let's see uh, if we get there. This is not so time pressing, and we're going to keep this to an hour. And uh, yeah, that's kind of a deep overview. So with that, I hope you're dropping in. I hope uh, yeah, you are either listening nicely or in the recording. And uh, yeah, with that, let's get uh, Fabio in. Fabio, head of community here at Cake. Tell me, how's the sentiment right now? Give us that a bit. Afterwards, I would love to share a few of the Cake things that are going on. And then we're going to go into the meaty part of today. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if my Twitter audio is working um, or not. Maybe I just can't hear you because my audio is off. No. Can you hear Fabio? Uh, but it, I also don't see that you are not speaking. Otherwise, now I can. Now I can. I can. Now I can hear you. Now I cannot hear you. Um, um, is, is this working nope. or is this not working? Possible. Don't hear you. Um, Probably on the stream we hear you, but not on the Twitter space. Before I did, but uh, just okay, now. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to talk from the other account. Sure. Um, okay. Um, sorry about the audio. I think on the computer, on the web, is everything's working. Here it seems to be working as well. Uh, so, yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, regarding the, the sentiment, what Julian just mentioned. So, uh, two weeks ago, when we had our last Twitter space, uh, we skipped one week because... Uh, in Singapore, everybody was celebrating Chinese New Year. Um, now we're back to full speed. Um, and a lot, of, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. So um, we are definitely, we had definitely a nice rally, a nice run up. And with the run up in price, of course, we saw a lot of the old time hopium dealers reactivating their accounts and coming back and spreading the hope. Um, I would still, so before this rally, like 70% of the people were bearish um, or ambiguous uh, about what was happening in the market. Right now, if you if you make a poll, it's about 50-50. Um, it depends a little bit on which account runs the poll, but the sentiment is definitely more turned more to the bullish side than, than to the bearish side. Um, yeah, Julian is just sharing um, uh, a poll that he made a few days ago on 22nd of January, where 52% uh, are slightly bullish compared to 48% bearish. And uh, yeah, that's so you definitely can say 50-50 almost, yeah. I think, and I think that looks very different to what it looked like in the past, yeah. Yeah. 2,600 so... votes. So, I mean, not tens of thousands, but I think definitely some representation, yeah. And there's definitely also... Um, different communities that have different opinions on things in the bitcoin community i would say the main thing that is talked about is the correlation to risk on assets and to stocks and still we don't really know how bitcoin is going to behave in a real recession because 
uh, we had some bear markets, some downtrends. You could say that we were entering somewhat of a recession during the summer, but a full-fledged recession, a real downturn in the market, this would be the first time that Bitcoin would experience that. So there's a lot of different opinions on, on how it would behave. Um, in the general crypto uh, community, there's definitely talks of, uh, did we reach the bottom? Are we in bottom territory? Um, and uh, like, especially on, on Cake, we have a lot of people uh, from the DeFi chain community talking heavily on, on Telegram about the things that are happening there. And um, super interesting because um, they have like, um, Bitcoin has BIPs, Ethereum has uh, Ethereum improvement proposals and DeFi chain has DFIPs. DeFi chain improvement proposals. And there are a few interesting things going on in that community, uh, especially regarding the stable coin that uh, seems to return to its pact of $1, um, which is highly anticipated. Uh, maybe you have uh, a little bit more insights to share there, uh, Julian. Sure. Um, let's go into the cake things first. I think these are key and then we can cover all this other stuff. Um, first, um, with the on-chain voting that's happening on DeFi chain now, uh, Cake users that have DFI frozen, um, you're going to have the ability to just vote on the platform. We've introduced this for the last uh, DeFi, for DeFi chain on Cake, and so we're going to keep doing this going forward. So this makes it very easy. Uh, you just have to have uh, DFI frozen uh, a month. That's absolutely enough. So yeah, that's going to... Um, uh, I think gonna make this really nice. Um, we're gonna obviously we had Chinese New Year last week, uh, Chinese New Year week uh, last week. So for us, uh, there's always a bit of a slower week. Um, yeah, in Singapore we have two slower times. One is Christmas New Year, and then Chinese New Year, which was very packed together. So for us, these last four weeks, five weeks uh, were a bit of a slower time. It was also the reason why I was in Europe during this time, and uh, I'm, I've only come back now after Chinese New Year. Uh, this was kind of timed there as well. So now everything is coming full speed for us in the company. Um, yeah, just because uh, some celebrate Christmas, some celebrate Chinese New Year, and now it's uh, pretty much uh, good to go for the next 11 months. And uh, normally Chinese New Year is, uh, yeah, first week, second week of February, um, a bit later in the year. So uh, you're gonna see a, a lot of launches now, um, a lot of updates um, in February, March going forward. And that was why January was uh, a bit more on the quiet stuff, a bit more catching up to do. Um, if you want to see that, um, tomorrow a new vlog is coming out. Um, it's going to be really centered around Chinese New Year, um, about the team, uh, some philosophy behind it, and how we as a company have that spirit, obviously, of being part Western company, part Asian company. And I think that's really, really nice for you to see. So go on our YouTube channel and uh, check this out, youtube.com slash cakedefy. Um, also, what I find super inspiring is when you share all these uh, numbers of cash flow that you have been receiving, um, even though it's been a bear market. I think that's, uh, yeah, really, really, um, yeah, inspiring. Very, very nice. And I would love to reshare those. So if you share that, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, really kind of powerful to see that, right. Despite the bear market, uh, yeah, uh, please tag me. Um, we're happy to reshare that. I mean, I think nothing speaks uh, louder than results. So, um, very nice. Also, I shared, um, this is from end of October until mid-January. So uh, some people asked, why is Matic not on that list? It's just because uh, when we did this analysis of the first coins that got deposited, um, we didn't have Matic yet. Um, so the statistics are 44% of people are making their first deposit at Cake with Bitcoin. Uh, very, very interesting. Um, but obviously also represents kind of the market cap. 18% um, is Ethereum, 12% is DFI, close to 6% is Litecoin, uh, Tether, 4%, Dash, 3.5%, Doge, 3.5%, USDC, 3%, and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, DUSD, 2.88%. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I get this question actually a lot. Um, if uh, like DUSD um, not being super stable has any impact uh, on us, uh, as a as a platform, but actually on Cake, very few users have DOSD uh, for the simple reason because um, DOSD D token is is instantly a very complex kind of product, so it's not as intuitive as people who really understand uh, blockchain applications deeply, the DeFi applications. So, and Cake is really the plug and play solution. Um, we are working, however, now to have uh, some ideas in how we can implement DOSD better. 
uh, provide good cash flow ideas on that. So um, we see some massive, massive uh, ideas there. Um, hopefully, um, yeah, this month we'll also want to launch um, ideas here where uh, Bitcoin can have even more yield. I know uh, people have been asking, are we raising the cap on the earned product? Um, we can't. That, that's full. There's no way to raise that for us. Um, but uh, we have found other ways to do proper DeFi lending. So uh, do lending or generating yield with uh, uh, smart contracts. And uh, at the moment, you have to be a bit nimble. You have to be flexible, but you can get some really nice yield. Yesterday, um, I think I shared on Twitter also that for some time, you could get annualized about 40% uh, on ETH. Um, so, I mean, these are all just things. And we could capture that as a, as a, as a platform. We just have to be nimble and, and quick on, on that. So um, stay tuned on that. I think we're going to have some nice ideas here for Bitcoin, ETH, stablecoins, um, DFI, DUSD. And uh, obviously, we also want to add uh, more and more coins um, with Matic that we added. Um, yeah, we want to add the next one soon. Um, one question I do always get after these videos, if I can share those slides. As you probably know, I am running now this newsletter as the CEO from Cake. It's a separate uh, newsletter from the official sendout from Cake. So this is ceonews.cakediva.com. And um, it goes out to our customers that want to get that, you can unsubscribe if you don't want that. Um, and anyone that subscribes here as well, I will be sending out that PDF probably tonight. So if you want to get that, then just click on that link and I will be happy to send that to you. These are kind of the main ideas, obviously, uh, for those of you that are invested in the various coins. Um, maybe let's take a look a bit on that for sure over the past month. I think you've all been really, really stoked. Uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, I mean, everything has been pumping aggressively. This is what these candles look right now. Obviously, a lot of people are talking about how this looks very, very similar to that 2021 rally. So people are talking about that we may see these kind of repetitions. I mean, we discussed this a lot last time. We're not going to go so much into that at the moment. This is going to be bullish bears. We're really going to talk more about uh, this entire week, uh, what's kind of happening here. So a lot of resemblance here. People kind of copy-paste the 2021. Um, they see this as super bullish. Obviously, I want to warn a bit. It could also be that kind of rally. It's not as high, not as hard. And that rally right now is also not hitting uh, that time from back then. So this is the monthly chart. I mean, it's a really aggressive monthly candle here. But as you can see here, the July candle was at 23,300. Let's see where we're closing today. At the moment, it looks like we're closing under 23,000. So let's see if that monthly candle can actually close higher than that candle back then. Um, yeah, I think really, really interesting to see for those that are either making bets on one or the other or for both. Ethereum has been holding up relatively well in that uh, last cycle. Um, in the cycle prior, it lost from the top to the bottom against Bitcoin. And uh, in the second halving of Bitcoin, Ethereum was pretty much sideways. So probably in that first cycle, Bitcoin was the better investment, simply because from a risk-reward ratio, it made a lot more sense. Uh, so far in that kind of a cycle with Bitcoin halving, uh, Ethereum has been uh, doing better. Um, obviously, past performance does not guarantee future results. Um, the entire FOMO and hype, we haven't only seen um, in crypto, we've also seen this in the stock market. Um, this is a chart, a monthly chart on the various stocks. Um, yeah, Tesla, I think, is 50% plus. Amazon, 23% plus, right? I mean, these are incredible numbers. Meta, 27 plus in the last months. Apple, Microsoft. What you see is one very clear trend that those companies that are more meany, that are more speculative, did extremely well. And those that are more like on the safer side, obviously healthcare, sure, also because they were really overpriced in 2020, 2021, they have been kind of giving away. But then industrials, utilities, uh, consumer defensive, these are these super boring kind of companies. They actually haven't done so well this entire year. And this is obviously really, really interesting to see. Um, and, and we're going to talk about that, right? Because when, uh, when, when we talk about a proper recovery or when we talk where's this pump actually coming from, um, it's obviously you have this really clear spread here, right? You have crypto that has been doing exceptionally well. Um, I think my portfolio, I mean, if 
if, if this portfolio just stays as it is and outperforms the M2 as it is, then I'm going to be super, super happy the money supply. Um, yeah, as comparison, 2022, um, everything minus some companies, minus 50, minus 60, minus 70%. And then obviously this year it's up insanely. Coin up over 50%. Um, the NASDAQ 100 had its best run since 1999. So best January ever. And so if you have, look at one common denominator, and that's going to be now the, the topic we're going to transition into, this is the dollar index. The dollar index has been crashing. It's uh, close to a so-called death cross, which generally can be either a very bearish kind of signal for dollars, which could be a bullish signal for everything else. Many times we also see strong reversals at that. I'm not the chart technician, but this is uh, definitely always something to kind of watch out for. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see where we are in this week. Obviously, Fed meeting scheduled for tomorrow. And uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Fabio. See a bit on the current state. Where's the community other than these things? And then let's talk about the Fed meeting. Let's talk about what people are expecting. What are they talking? What do you hear from other influencers um, after this uh, kind of intro? Yeah, um, it's definitely probably the most interesting week of the year. Of course, we saw uh, this heavy run-up. Uh, and initially, there were a lot of questions on where's this coming from? Um, and I, I, I kind of got my own theory for this. So um, if you look at liquidity indexes or liquidity in general, uh, there was definitely a lot of liquidity in the market and it tried to find a place um, and it, it went into riskier assets, into volatile assets. Uh, like, for example, Tesla had a crazy rebound, uh, Bitcoin, crypto, uh, lots of Nasdaq and, and, and tech companies. Um, they, they had a real uh, a crazy run up. Um, and the, the, my thesis for where this liquidity or this run-up is coming from is, in my opinion, it's just the market pricing in that they are not believing, uh, they're, they're not trusting the Fed. They're not believing in Jerome Paul that he can follow through, that he can bring inflation down um, uh, for a longer period of time. Like my best, guess, my best guess is they're going to raise 25 basis points and it's pretty much... It's pretty much priced in. Everybody's expecting that. Uh, I would. They're not going with no hike. If there, if there is another probability, they're going with a 50 basis point. But my best guess is, and the market is also pricing in, is uh, 25 basis points. Um, and uh, yes, exactly. So uh, the, on the CME uh, website, you can see uh, the probability, and I think it's like a 90 something probability that we're seeing. 98.4. Uh, yeah. 98.4 uh, that's crazy um so after that it's kind of hard to say because the next so this is q1 they're gonna hike probably um then the another one in in uh, may i think and then they're probably gonna stop maybe this is the last one maybe the next one is the last one uh, and they're probably gonna halt and gonna stop um, and but my estimation, so they changed some slight variations in how they calculate inflation. And for the next measurement that they're going to make for Q1, it is probably going to end up uh, at around 2% or between 2 and 3%. And in my opinion, the Fed is going to celebrate like, you know, this is the biggest achievement ever. Um, and they're going to say, yes, we did it. We did these hikes and everything. And the market could take this bullish or they could take this bearish. I'm not 100% sure in how the market will react to that. So I have one thing that I really struggle to understand. And I, I, maybe let me uh, touch on that. And then I want to hear how you think about that. Because as I stand right now as an investor, I'm 100% convinced that we will see new lows in the S&P and we will see new lows in the NASDAQ. Like I'm really, I'm super convinced that we haven't seen real downside. We have a PE ratio in the S&P 500 of 18. No bear market in history ever stopped at a PE ratio of 18. Uh, we didn't really have a strong down move. It was not a lot of pain. It was very mild. It was a soft landing. And I'm not a believer in this whole soft landing story. But on the other hand, when it comes to crypto, 
uh, I really feel that this is a leading indicator and it kind of overcorrected a little bit with all the mess like FTX and Luna happening. It overcorrected to the downside. And I really feel that crypto uh, as a, an industry kind of bottomed out or a, a large majority of like Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, the, the blue chips definitely found its bottom. Uh, but how can one be true without the other? Uh, and that's the conundrum I find myself in. Maybe you have a, a good way of, of answering that. Is it even possible that one bottomed out and the other didn't? I mean, I definitely think it's possible. I just don't think this is the case. Um, I am still of the opinion that whether we're going to see like lower lows on the S&P and NASDAQ, I don't know. I'm not so much always looking at the actual price. I, I think it's more direction. Um, prices sometimes are very difficult to kind of, they're very emotional, very difficult to predict, as, as everyone knows. My opinion doesn't change. I still think, and here uh, Muhammad uh, has this uh, thing where he says uh, that he thought that we had mentioned uh, one or two months ago that the Fed meeting shouldn't change anything about 2023. And you're right. At that point, though, six weeks ago, whatever, I didn't expect the price to rally to, uh, to 23,000. And so... For me, and that's going to be probably the key thing, is the signaling that Jay Powell is going to give, right? So it's not going to be so much about the, the rate hike. The, the rate hike, to me, that is not going to make a change, really. I think the 25 basis points are priced in. Fabio, you're spot on. I agree with you there. I do believe, though, that Powell is going to come out and he's going to be super nervous about this rally in the market now. Um he doesn't probably care about crypto. I think that's totally irrelevant to him. But he looks at the stock market. He looks at at, um, at at these meme stocks. And he just thinks, my goodness, like, how is this possible that this stuff rallies like crazy? I need to get this down. And I don't know. Him signaling that he's going to be hawkish. We're not going to stop raising rates. Um, uh, a, a, a soft landing is not guaranteed. We may see a hard landing. So just this kind of wording, right, is going to get everyone insecure. And... I don't know. I am still of the opinion that we're going to see, I don't know if we're going to see lower lows on Bitcoin. I don't know if we go, what, what is the low? We talked about this just prior, 15,000 something. You, you know the exact price? 15,400. 15, so I'm not sure we're going to go under that, uh, but I don't think that, like, I don't know, that 18,000 or something was the cheapest Bitcoins you will have ever bought in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think we're going to see lower prices than that. So um but I've been saying I've been consistent in that. I just don't uh, I, I don't see a rally right now. I think we got only I, I, where I actually agree. I think um, crypto has definitely suffered way more than stocks. So here I agree with you. And I mean, obviously, FTX, I think especially FTX caused that where we were talking about, oh, November and December can be so bullish. Stocks celebrated like crazy. Crypto kind of really like died. And I, I think a lot of it had to do with FTX. And so there I agree that. Crypto has seen a lot of the pain, but I do want to highlight, I mean, we do have issues in the crypto space that may not blow up right now, but the entire Genesis slash digital currency group slash Grayscale story, that thing is, I mean, that thing can cause issues. And uh, I, I just want to highlight here, I, I have this news uh, just came out that now pretty much the only um, competitor to Grayscale, Oprah, um, uh, Osprey, sorry. Um, the only competitor is now suing Grayscale that it completely misrepresented the likelihood of an FDF approval and thereby attracted so much funds. Now, I've always been a big critic that I think, I mean, I think in every life that we did, I always talked about how I don't think we're going to see an ETF. And if we do see an ETF, how bearish this is going to be and how this was always misrepresented by Grayscale, that they were super optimistic and this would be so bullish for the price. They are suing now. And I think Grayscale, Digital Currency Group, Genesis, they have so much pressure. And where I agree with you, Fabio, I think the Fed is probably not going to cause lower lows on the, on, on the price because it's probably going to have a negligible impact in comparison to a month ago or something. So I don't know, maybe Bitcoin goes back to... 17, 18, 19,000. So I kind of that range. I think it's just going to lose a lot of the returns that it did so far this year. But I don't see lower lows on the stocks, especially the meme stocks. And I mean, look, the value stocks didn't go up. That's key. Value stocks didn't perform in the last months. People just forget that. We could see that. You're right. Um, so these are the key things. How do you see, how do you see the 
the earnings from Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, Meta play out? How do you see the, the Bank of England, England's importance? How do you see the ECB's importance? Both are expected to raise by half a percent on Thursday. Do you see this of any importance both to stocks, but obviously mostly to crypto? So for from an earnings perspective, um, I'm in no way an expert, but I uh, expect earnings to be, um, I don't know, to maybe 5 to 10 percent, uh, to suffer 5 to 10 percent. And this is just the general consensus that I hear when I listen, when I listen to podcasts or when I read articles. Um, from Bank of England and uh, ECB, they, they're kind of late to the party. They need to raise, um, and desperately so. Um, they the wrong uh, some sometimes people get the wrong idea they think the euro is strong but it really isn't like the euro doesn't really perform by itself it just goes up when the dxy is going down and uh, we had a, a a weak dollar so the euro went up and so did euro stocks uh, in some uh, areas in europe we could almost see all time highs in stocks and that's no reflection of the current economic uh, uh, circumstances in Europe. Like the, econo the economy in Europe is not doing great. Uh, and even though uh, it's like the fundamentals um, with the energy crisis and everything uh, are terrible. Uh, we have a lot of zombie companies here. Uh, we had like, we are addicted to cheap capital. So yeah, the Euro, the, the, the ECB, they need to raise rates, uh, but the impact of doing so um, I'm not sure. I think a lot of companies here in Europe will struggle with, uh, I think they're going to 3%. Uh, and of course, like with raising rates, and what is really important to understand is um, the Fed and the ECB both like compare, if you compare it to, to historical rate hikes, they hiked really, really fast in a short period of time. And this doesn't really affect a lot of companies and a lot of individuals because a lot of debt is fixed term. So you're signing a contract, for example, for, um, um, uh, for a house, for a mortgage. Uh, you're stuck with that for 10 years, 15 years, some of them 30 years. Um, and also companies, they have fixed term debt. So this is maybe a year, this is five years, this could be 10 years, uh, eight years, whatever. Um, so these companies are not really affected uh, by that because they can just wait. Um, they're about with Every month that passes, more and more companies will be affected by these interest rates. And every company that is like so, a so-called co uh, zombie company that you know, doesn't really have strong fundamentals and that only works because it had cheap capital, they are going to be the one to suffer. Like It's like the, uh, everybody's standing on the beach uh, and some people are not really wearing a swimsuit and the water is slowly, slowly subsiding and go getting lower and lower. And at one point, you will really see who is wearing a swimsuit and who is not. Uh, and we are about to enter the phase uh, where the naked people on the beach are exposed. And it's hard to say here in Europe which companies uh, that might be. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you explained that really well. Um, I, I do think on the larger scale um, for crypto, especially uh, the ECB or the Bank of England don't really matter. I think where the earnings of Amazon, Alphabet, um, Apple, and MetaMeta Meta is MetaMeta. Meta. Wow, this is a difficult word. MetaMeta. Okay. Um, well, where I think they matter is, again, the guidance. I think it really is going to come down to, right now, there's a lot of hopium in the market, way more than a month ago. And I just think we're going to go back to where we were a month ago. And, and, and so that's just what I, I didn't expect such a strong rally. I expected that we have a little bit of an uptrend, but not such a strong rally. And I think Apple and all of them, they're going to feel this. They're probably going to make guidance that they're going to probably have to let people go. I think that is a, a, a key scare thing yeah, for many. And yeah, so I, I think as a whole, one interesting thing I want to show as well is reverse repo markets. I explained this concept, I think, many times now, so I'm not going to go into the exact details on the, on the reverse repo markets. Um, the idea here is that this is the, the, the largest of the large money. So here we're really talking about, I mean, we're talking about trillions of dollars that are in there, right? So this is 2,000 billion, so trillions of dollars that are in there. And 
this is risk-free money um, because you're basically giving it to the Fed. So it's risk-free. And you can basically see that obviously with COVID, um, there was a huge increase here um, because the Fed really supported this. But you, despite prices completely crashing, there is no increase and no decrease in these reverse repo markets. Now, what does this mean? This means this uber-large liquidity hasn't left the building at all. Why? Well, there can be many reasons, but the main reason is that the 4% that they are getting here risk-free to them seems way more attractive than any potential returns they can get mostly in the stock market right now. So that's just very interesting to kind of see, right? And, and that, that's just something that I would be thinking about. Um, the interesting question really is, if you have a choice right now, um, Fabio, I want to ask this to you. I give you my thoughts afterwards. If you'd be sitting in crypto right now, and then you ask yourself, what's, what's going to have more volatility going forward? Is it going to be crypto or stocks? You kind of shared this a bit already. Can you kind of repeat that a bit on what you think is going to have more downside from here? Um, yeah. And, and I, um, actually, I think we're aligned on that, on that opinion, actually. So what, what, what I would say um, in crypto in general is true, or at least it was, it was in the last two bear markets, is um, especially within the next six months or so, I would say it is Bitcoin season. What does Bitcoin season mean? It, it means if crypto goes down or it goes up, it doesn't matter which direction we go, Bitcoin is going to outperform. It's going to drop less and it's going to, to go up higher. And this is just true for the next six months um, because Capital is flying to more safety. So blue, blue chip stocks. You could be safe uh, with safer with Ethereum. So it's probably going to rank Bitcoin, Ethereum, altcoins. Uh, just in general. This doesn't need to be true because there are other things that are happening in, 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 in the industry. And compared crypto and stocks, I would say um, crypto is somewhat leading the market. It was on the upside and it was on the downside. So I would say in that the, the heavy part of the sell-off and of the downside, we already had that in crypto. We didn't have that, had that in stocks. Of course, both of them are correlated and both of them will probably move down if one or the other is moving down. But I, I would say, um, so stocks, if they have a downside of 30%, I could see a downside of 30% in crypto as well. But 30% in crypto isn't that much because it's much more volatile. Um, and I fully expect so, um, I, I, and I, I'm kind of aligned with a few people that are really, really great in macro. Like I look at uh, Felix Zulauf, I look at Chicken Genius, I look at, um, I don't know, uh, other, uh, Holger, uh, he's a German uh, macro trader. I, I look at um, people that really know their macro a lot better than I, I do. And most of them are looking at a 3,200 S&P target. Um, and from that moment on, right around now, that... I never look at the S&P price. Where are we right now? Um... Let me just open that. Um, I never actually, it's interesting. I never look at that price level. Um, We're at 4,000 right now. Okay. Yeah. Golden cross soon, like very, yeah. uh, golden cross, meaning the 50 crossing the 200, generally a bullish sign. But, uh, if there's some reversal there, this can be violent. Yeah. But, yeah. You're right. 4,000. Ah, so you're seeing the. 3,200. Wow, really? Whew. Oh, yeah, you're right. So lower than the October lows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be a range where I would say, okay, this is now, now it's getting interesting to, to allocate some into the S&P 500. There is so many people that are calling for a 10-year bear market, that are calling for uh, a, a, a strong doubt, downtrend and depression. I'm taking it easy what uh, there because i really feel that at one point that right now we the title of this twitter space is the fed is crashing the party and i kind of probably it's true not with that rate hike but with the narrative and the speech that powell is giving afterwards um and but if you turn this into the future maybe mid-year end of the year um they're probably going to be saving the party um, and what is important there, just to reiterate this, is when the Fed is actually going on stage and pivoting, like first they will stop and just hold the rates. But somewhere, maybe in the later part of this year, they're probably going to pivot, probably. And, and if they're going to pivot, this is by no means a bottom. 
Uh, after that, we're probably going to see downside of another six months until we found the bottom. Yeah, it's important because people tend to yeah. forget that. And you're right. Statistically, historically, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, I, I, I wanted to interrupt you, but you are adding exactly what I wanted to interrupt you for. So um, I guess um, right now, if you, it's always wise to have some fiat on the side, especially the one that has cash in a bear market is king. But the problem with bear markets is nobody has cash. Um, and so if you have cash right now, uh, good for you. Um, and um, from an allocation standpoint, you know, I'm big on metals because metals tend to perform well, uh, especially if we are going into a bear market or we're going out of the bear market. Um, so I'm, I'm into metals. Um, uh, I hold blue chip uh, crypto. And um, I'm look I have a bit of fiat on the side because I'm looking to find an entry uh, in stocks. And the level I'm currently looking at is around 3,200 on the S&P. That would really mean I want to start allocating and going into the market. One thing to, to, to put into perspective there, because of the demographic situation that we are in right now, I really feel that over the coming 15 years, is probably the S&P is not the best place to be. Probably a sector ETF, like really specific mm -hmm. on, you know, something, uh, for example, energy, or I, I'm just throwing in a few words. Please do not take this as advice, but you could healthcare or um, uh, biotech. You, yeah, also regions. It may also be that you have to you bet on certain regions, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think for the next decade or so, the probably the strong game or the game to play is regions and sectors. Yeah. yeah, I honestly, Fabio, I, I, my opinion here is just basically repeating what you're saying. Uh, I, so I, I'm just going to tag along a bit here because I think we're really aligned on this. Um, I think the major fear I have is that the Fed cracks. So I know that many people criticize the Fed right now, and I'm not 100% sure it was so easy for them to do what, what they're doing, right? Um, and obviously no one knows, including them, if they're doing it right. I am just most worried about them cracking, them starting to print money. So them going from a pool. So pool, why? Because lowering interest rates doesn't force anyone to take out a loan. So it doesn't stimulate the economy per se. It's still more of a pool mechanism. But if they start printing money and either pushing this into the market directly by buying bonds, for example, or by handing it out as stimulus checks, then it becomes a push. And if they go into this push mechanism, that's when I'm just getting a bit worried and scared because then we're going to see the stagflation scenario. I just really hope, and that's always what I say, I really hope that we're going to see a bit of a more painful year right now. Um, we kind of have to sit this out. So it's just like, I don't know, if you start, like, let's say you stop smoking. If you stop smoking, you will always have this kind of pain a bit at the beginning, right? But if you keep going, then you never stop smoking. So you will have, like, you, you have to admit that we did something in the past two years, that was just not the healthiest thing. And so we just have to admit that and be like, okay, now we have to kind of suffer a little bit. If we don't do that, yeah, we can kind of avoid that pain right now, but we're just going to compound it down the line. And at some point, we can't handle it anymore. And so it's kind of that, that same kind of story, right? And so I just hope we have a little bit of pain this year. I don't want to see the same kind of pain as last year. I don't want to see like dozens of companies going bankrupt. I don't want people to lose their funds. I just want to have a little bit of volatility, maybe a little bit up, a little bit down, it's going to be more of a like less interesting year at the end. So we're probably not going to do much. But if we look at the interest kind of forecast in all of that, then exactly like Fabio kind of mentioned, we're expecting to top out with the interest rates March, May. So that's kind of the, the, the expectations in the next one or two Fed meetings. Then we're going to hold this maybe until after the summer. And then fourth quarter, we're expecting rates to go down and then... 2024, this is when we should be at the, the interest rates that should hopefully equal the target inflation. And so, again, that would mean don't expect too much for 2023. Use the year for dollar cost averaging. I think exactly like Fabi mentioned, you don't want to go all in. You don't want to go all out. Um, stocks, crypto, I think it's fantastic times to start building a, a position. Uh, give yourself a little bit of time. Don't rush in. Just really see this as a project on years, not on weeks. And I know that uh, we can always do that same kind of survey. I, I ask it every time and the answer is always the same. If I ask people, uh, what's your time horizon when investing? People always say years. And when I ask, okay, what do you think most other crypto investors time horizon is? And then people say, oh, weeks. And uh, it's just like, 
99% of people give the same answer, right? So probability is that everyone thinks they have a year-long time horizon, like year-long, years-long time horizon, and everyone else weeks when probably everyone just has weeks. And that's just the dangerous part to all that. I might have a question that, uh, um, like, the, the, my conundrum, one of the conundrums that I'm fighting myself uh, a little bit is <clears throat> there is practically uh, two outcomes over the next few years. So as you mentioned, we had this, we, we are like an addict. We had this cheap capital for such a long time, and now we kind of need to pay. This is not sustainable. Um, we, we, we need to change this approach. Otherwise, uh, we're going to end up with runaway inflation. Um, so, but to counter this, we practically need austerity. We, we need to, to have uh, high rates. We need to uh, increase taxes. We um, need to lower our spending. Uh, we need to do the hard things in life. And while um, I completely see all of this happening, I kind of don't see us doing the hard things. <laughs> I, I, maybe. <laughs> oh, come on. People love doing this. <laughs> Um, it's maybe because of our weak politicians, especially here in Europe, also maybe in the United States, that they're kind of, uh, we, we're kind of going there and it seems like we're going the, to do the hard things. But then at one point, I think we're going to have the addict turnaround thing and we're like, oh, it's way much easier. Let's go to the cheap capital again. Um, and the, the, the question I ask myself is, um, what is going to be the outcome when we finally move back to being an addict? Because me personally, I don't know how you see this, Julian. Uh, I, I don't see us going the hard way. I don't see us having a decade of raising taxes, lowering spending, and having high rates, um, uh, and, and really going against inflation and against government spending and, and, and lowering debt to GDP and all of the hard things that we should do uh, to have a sustainable future. I don't see us getting there. I don't see us doing this. What? How do you see this playing out? I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think the, as long as we can get our growth over the, over the interest rate, right? So as long as we grow more than the interest rate, we win. Um, because that means that the government can just kind of keep printing money, keep printing money. Of course, that people always talk about that this is not sustainable. And it's true, at some point, this is going to burst all the time. That's why fiat currencies always burst, always. Um, but they can go for a very, very long time. So what I hope, and this is really, I mean, again, that's why I'm always saying I hope. I hope that especially the U.S., which is the key driver in all this because they run the reserve currency, I hope that the kind of like counter situation in the House where Senate versus um versus House of Representatives in Congress uh, are Republicans and Democrats. So they're going to have a hard time approving budgets. So that's going to make it hard to kind of do this spending. At the same time, the Democrats don't need to use 2023 to be popular. Um, what you need to do is you need to do this probably in the, like going from the beginning of the summer in 2024. So we have about one and a half years actually to not be all too popular. You don't have to be. And it is enough if then, let's say in June, they start to become popular again. Now, I, honestly, I don't care if the Democrats or the Republicans win the 2024 election. I just care that there's good policies. And whoever has these great policies, I hope that they win. But it also kind of means that the Democrats don't have to do these like super popular policies right now. They do have about one and a half years. And that is the only thing that I'm a little bit hopeful about, right? So are we going to have a perfect solution, let's say mid-2024? No, but we do have a very strong chance because if we look at like forecasted, right? This is forecasted interest rates. At that point, we're going to talk about three and a half percent. Now, three and a half percent—that's absolutely doable from a growth perspective, right? So the reason why we always say we want two percent inflation, around two percent interest rates, because that kind of balances each other out. So if we can get to a like a three and a half percent, maybe we don't—we're not at a three and a half percent growth rate at that point. Maybe we're only at two and a half percent or whatever. It doesn't really matter so much anymore because now interest rates have come down. They haven't been up so long. And I think we can just kick the can down the road. I 100% agree with you. We're not going to solve this thing. Politicians are way too weak. We don't have the strong leaders. Um, and people don't want to do it. I mean, you see this all around the world. You, you see people always crying for the easy solution out. They don't want to do the tough stuff. It's always how we say, like, soft times create soft men. Soft men create hard times. Hard men create 
uh, Hartman, Hartman, Creates of Times, blah, blah, blah. And the cycle kind of continues, right? And so we are in this time where we have super easy times. We have a lot of people who just don't want to kind of work this through. You see this all the time. People scream instantly about taxing the rich, higher taxes, not understanding that this doesn't solve anything. And yeah, I know this is many times an unpopular opinion, but yeah, just how it is. And um, I, I don't see the solution. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of crypto is because I don't see a solution in the traditional world. And, and I think we all agree to that. The question, I think where I disagree with most people, I don't see this in the next two years. And I think so many people just say this is happening in the next two years. And I'm like, don't forget, they have the guns. It's, it can take another 20 years, right? So if you make your bets right now that this is going to happen in the next two years, you may be right looking at it after 50 years, but being right at the wrong time is being wrong. And that's so key to understanding that. Yeah, I got nothing more to add. I, I, I would probably say we slight we have a slight disagreement on the timeline. I, I really hope it's not going to take 50 years uh, and I would be in my 80s then. Um, I would prefer 10 years. Um, yeah. But I'm completely fine um, it with It depends. That. Again, I'm, I always kind of, I always also want to remind people, right? I mean, I know that many people always kind of look forward to that event and I'm always like, look, that event is going to be extremely difficult. It's going to be extremely painful. A lot, a lot of people are going to lose everything and it's going to be so difficult to navigate. I know that I know the Bitcoiners believe that Bitcoin is going to be the solution. The gold people are going to believe gold is the solution. Buffett's going to say stocks are the solution. Real estate people are going to say real estate is the solution, right? And at the end, you don't know. You really don't know. And and you just hope that you have the right solution. And and, and it's just going to be so difficult and and so painful. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it uh, I, I yeah I, I I think fifty years is too long, but I I think it's going to take way longer than most people believe. And yeah. The U.S. is going to have so many tricks in their pockets to extend that event. And so I just want to be, I, I, as an investor, right, if, like myself, you see Bitcoin as this insurance against such an event, you just have to be really careful in kind of understanding how long you need that insurance and, and what's that kind of timeline for that. Um, because obviously, if you think that event is imminent, then you want to buy all the insurance you can get, right? So I, I do understand that argument from the maxis that go, you need to go all in a Bitcoin because we're collapsing right now. Fair enough. If that is your belief structure makes sense. It just, I don't have that belief structure. So I, I do believe that Bitcoin is going to be an attractive investment over the next years, but I don't see me needing it as an insurance right now. Yeah. Um, sorry, uh, I'll let you go. Um, I want to talk about a quick update on, uh, on the uh, USDC at the station, um, but I, I want to see if you have anything. The only thing I would add is... Um... I, I, I read the book When Money Dies and I looked a little bit at the collapse of the Weimar Republic and what I'm fully preparing myself for is... This extra for Fabio. I saw it and I was like, ah, this is for Fabio. And I was like, I'm just going to put this in just to make Fabio happy. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that can't see it, it's the a Wolf of Wall Street uh, scene where he's teaching them how to sell. And then he says, hey, can you show them how it's done? And then in the, in the scene, obviously, he says, uh, write down your name. And she says, I don't have a pen. And he says, okay, exactly, supply and demand, right? And, um, and so in this uh, joke here, it says, hey, Brett, like he's trying to do it basically. And he says, hey, Brett, sell me this pen. And then he says, hey, do me a favor, write down all the assets you own that can't be confiscated. And then Fabio sits here and says, because obviously Fabio is uh, full in Bitcoin, he says, I can't think of any. And then, yeah, the guy's like, ah, exactly. Uh, not understanding that he basically asked the Bitcoiner um, who, yeah, um, obviously has no Bitcoin that can be confiscated. So, yeah. Uh, saw that, thought of you, put it in extra. How nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, just to finish my sentence that I started, uh, uh, so um, for, for, for the audience to understand, is the thing that I'm preparing myself for if we would go into an environment where uh, we a fiat currency or a system is at the brink of collapse. Uh, I, I don't see uh, this black future or anything. There might be a turbulent time. There might be a currency that collapses. But the funny thing there is, um, is um, even though you're positioning yourself at the right time, at the right place, it might feel completely wrong. 
Like if you look, for example, in the 40s uh, or, or in the 30s, where like the Weimar Republic went through these troubles, uh, for example, gold had several downturns of like 50, 60, 70 percent, where you were actually at the right point at the right time, but it felt completely wrong. And a lot of other assets did that as well. Like you had several stocks that did exceptionally well during that time, but there was a lot of volatility, which made investors feel insecure and making wrong decisions. So even being at the right time in the right asset um, could feel completely wrong. Um, uh, just because markets are behaving so irrational. And uh, if we would enter a phase like that, it is probably for a large majority of people, it's almost impossible to navigate this the right way without having an insane amount of conviction. I 100% agree. I mean, it's so difficult when you go overweight in a certain asset class um, because it's not about being right. You have to be righter than everyone else. And that's so difficult because if you're right and everyone else is right, then it's already priced in. So, um, yeah, very, very difficult sometimes for uh, newbies. Um, yeah, two things. Um, we also have USDC on the platform. Um, there was some rumors around USDC that there may be issues with Silvergate and that maybe USDC has some issues there. This was also for BUSD. Um, they put out there uh, at the station um, everything backed. Um, but what I found was just really interesting is that the actual cash balance is relatively small in comparison to the treasury balance. Now, these are short-term treasuries, so this should be independent of Silvergate. Um, I think, so for those of you that have your assets uh, uh, in stable coins and you have it in USDC, um, I think that's very good news. Um, always interesting how Tether doesn't manage to do a better job in that. Um, I, I would be super surprised if Tether right now has issues being collateralized, um, but it's just very curious in how difficult they have it to, um, yeah, to kind of find someone or to show that. Um, really crazy. Thoughts on that, Fabio? Anything you saw there in the community or is that uh, yeah, not discussed heavily? Um, I'm not sure if anybody wants to hear my thoughts on stablecoins because I don't hold any and I probably never will. If I hold uh, US dollars, I hold the real thing. Uh, I don't know why. Call me old school, but yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I think uh, to some extent, um, off-ramping, on-ramping is obviously easier from, um, from stable coins. Um, there are, um, yeah, <laughs> here, this is for you. Imagine a live session where Fabio, uh, where Julian doesn't cut off Fabio in the middle of his sentence. Just imagine, cringe. <laughs> True, true, uh, I, true. I'm, I'm not sure if you want to have that. Uh, like, I, I can go on on, on crazy rants. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy sometimes that uh, Julian interrupts me. Uh, um, yeah, if I do that, then I, yeah, I, I know not when I do it. So it's not if, when. Um, what did I want to say? I think the on-ramp, off-ramp, um, sometimes out of crypto is still difficult, um, especially for the bank, uh, for some banks. Uh, banks tend to be very aggressive when people off-ramp, on-ramp. And so sometimes... Um, yeah, sometimes it's easier to just use stable coins. Um, yeah, so I thought that was uh, quite good. On my personal channel yesterday, I made a video and I just want to like kind of reference that. I would really highly recommend you to kind of take a look at that because obviously um, I expect that most of you are investing on the, uh, on the into the coins that we have listed on our platform. Um, I do actually believe, so I, um, I we're doing a, um, a meetup on Thursday here in Singapore. And I was looking, so a question I'm getting a lot from people is how to value altcoins, what to look for, right? And so I was looking at a lot of these metrics, TVL, um, active addresses, um, I don't know, fund flows, um, funded accounts or funded addresses and so on. It's very tricky to, or GitHub activity, we discussed this here as well with Fabio. It's very tricky to look at metrics. And so I was really kind of reflecting at the end if you look at how companies are valued, they're at the end, sure, they have like user numbers and so on. But at the end, they're really valued on the revenue that they're generating. Why? Because if customers are willing to pay for something, there must be a reason for it. They only pay for something because they get value for it or they hope to get value. And so I actually think blockchains going forward will see a very similar kind of idea, a very similar kind of model. Um, and so I made a video yesterday on my personal channel. Check this out. Um, the video is about how 
DeFi chain can actually do really, really well um, if, because for example, on a 24 hour basis, it does around the same as Sol uh, Solana and Polygon. The big difference obviously here is that uh, DeFi chain's market cap is at 300 million and uh, Solana's and Polygon's market cap is around nine to 10 billion. Um, obviously the key thing, because for example, Bitcoin generates very little fees, but has obviously the highest market cap. So the interesting question that we as a community will have to learn, how can we put those rational metrics together with some emotions and together with some hopium? Because at the end, just like in a company, you don't pay for the status quo. That's, you don't invest in that. You invest into the expectation. So everything comes down to expectation. And so it's totally normal to expect that a coin like Bitcoin is still going to be around in five years where a new project or a smaller project may not be. And so obviously this is really important. And I, I don't know, I hope we're going to get some more, we're going to get some rationality in this, hopefully going forward, maybe already this year. And, and it's going to be something that I will focus on because I love this rationality, right? And, and for DeFi chain, for example, and I mentioned this yesterday, once the DUSD repegging is solved, once the liquidity is solved with, uh, with Bridge, once uh, MetaChain is out and, and has basically all these possibilities, I, I think there's going to be a very strong chance um, for it to do some serious returns this year. And, and I think a lot of blockchains are going to get valued in this. So, you know, if you are someone who likes this rational approach, not just a price approach, but you really want to have that rational approach, then, yeah, I think this could be an interesting kind of model. Obviously, I think at the end, combining a lot of metrics, obviously combining daily active users, combining transactions, combining total value locked, combining it with fees, combining it with the brand, with this goodwill, with the sustainability and so on. Um, obviously combining it with the activity on GitHub, the development. I think all this together maybe is going to give us an easier idea in what a fair value of something is. Maybe not in absolute terms, but just like on a PE ratio, we don't know what a perfect PE ratio for a company is. But just like Fabio mentioned before, we've never seen a true bottom in a bear market with a PE ratio of 18. Now, this doesn't mean that this is not going to happen, but it just, it kind of puts a reference there, right? And so maybe in the next one or two years, we're going to say, hey, you know what? We've never seen DeFi chain at such a low valuation. Like this is an absolute no-brainer to invest. And this is very different to investing in, in, in charts, which I always call astrology. This is really investing into fundamentals because th this means that you have an expectation of active users and what's going to happen to the TBL, what's going to happen to the fees, how much are people willing to pay for that utility. And so if you expect this to continue to go up, obviously, if these averages are really low, it makes more sense to invest in that. Because at some point, the market will agree that its value is higher and then the price will go up. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, um, uh, Fabio, um, but I just wanted to kind of connect that. Um, we're going to link this up down below. I thought this was, I got some really interesting feedback from people when I made that video on my personal channel yesterday. And yeah, I think it's, I, I, maybe it's going to help people to, to really start valuing blockchains differently. And maybe it also kind of shows them um, that once DeFi chain's issues are gone, that this could have a really high kind of impact on the price. Um, I, I would say you're kind of an opinion leader or a first mover uh, with the fees approach. Uh, I really think that this is a discussion that is going to get wild and one of the main talking points over the coming years, but that it's slightly early uh, in mm. it uh, for, for most chains. Uh, because Bitcoin will run, in, run into that issues in like a decade. Uh, Ethereum, uh, they're kind of, kind of trying to get it down. We're still in a very messy early phase, but uh, where where this discussion and fee base is obviously like if you if you think logically uh, uh, about it, then this is like the the main thing on how to value a blockchain, how to 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 think about it. Uh, but I would say that you're very very early in seeing this trend and bringing this up. Um, and I never thought about this uh, previously uh, or put real thought into it. But uh, yeah, definitely super, super interesting. I, mean, I, I may be wrong, right? So I, I may be wrong, but uh, and, but yeah, I, I've, I've just been reflecting a lot on, um, again, everything, everything comes down to utility, everything. And um, it's obviously in a company, measuring the utility is so easy because it all comes down to cash flow and it comes down to the predictability of that cash flow. And in... A blockchain, this is a bit difficult, right? So um, that's uh, yeah, just a key concept. So obviously, you're going to have other measure, other factors as well. Um, it, it, it's yeah, but uh, it's just something I want to throw in. Um, anything 
that we left out. Uh, we're coming to the full hour. So anything that you feel we need to add, left, leave out. Obviously, if you're in Singapore on Thursday, meet up in the evening in our office. Uh, will be great if you join. Um, Fabio, anything from your side? Um, I think we are in the last few days of our fire promotion. Uh, financial independence, retire early. Uh, this is mainly dedicated to new customers. Head over to cakedefa.com and then you will see a, a, a flame on top of your screen. Uh, click there. There is an opportunity if you're um, uh, thinking about making the deposit, if you're thinking about becoming a customer, uh, we will actually incentivize you with up to a thousand US dollars if you participate in that promotion. I think you only have a few days left. Um, so if you're not a customer yet, head over and uh, read all about our new fire promotion. And for everybody who's watching that on YouTube, please leave us a like, please subscribe to the channel. We are pushing out a vlog series. Uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely recommending this, uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, it's a, a little bit of a history, a story about the whole company, how it started, uh, how it went, how we uh, are coming through or surviving the crypto winter. And it's made with a lot of effort and a lot of love. Uh, so definitely worth watching. Uh, put it in your watch later and uh, um, uh, watch it um, as soon as possible. Uh, if you're watching this or listening to this uh, on any other channel uh, and you missed the beginning, uh, this is going to be on Spotify, on Apple Podcast. Uh, you can watch this from the beginning on Twitter as soon as the space is, is finished. And you uh, can also find this on YouTube. That's amazing. Nothing else to add. Hear you all next week. Fingers crossed that the Fed is not crashing the party. Fingers crossed maybe the Fed has some guidance that maybe not the most bullish. Maybe the maybe that rally stops, but we don't go down. We just kind of stall a bit and, and wait for the next couple of weeks. Um, fingers crossed. I think this would be great. So we're going to find out. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Great decision making. Have meaningful relationships. Obviously, a lot of health. A lot of wealth. With that, see you next time. Thanks so much, Fabio. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.